All right, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Business of Fitness Podcast. I have a very special guest today. She is the co-founder, co-founder of Assault Fitness, which a lot of you are probably familiar with the Assault Bike. And what you don't know is that there's a, you know, the backstory, right? I mean, all we see is this assault bike that came in maybe, I don't know, three, four years ago in the market, five years ago in the market, and then it just kind of took the CrossFit space by storm. And what you don't see is the story of how you got there, right? I mean, I think a lot of people at times, they look at situations, say, oh, the person got lucky, it was good timing, whatever, but you had built up this business for 20 whatever years with Roger, um, your husband, Business partner. Business yeah. partner, yeah. And um, let's talk about it. So Tracy, thank you for being on the show. Um, today's episode is brought to you by the NC Fit Collective. If you haven't checked out our session plans and programming, um, check them out. What do you think about a 25-minute AMRAP? Is that good for you? 25? Yeah. I like even shorter, to be honest. 20. Okay. 20-minute <laughs> yes. 20, 20 AMRAPs. We're going to start a 20-minute AMRAP in 3, 2, 1, and here we go. So Tracy, tell us, we all are pretty familiar with the Assault Bike, and the assault bike, in my opinion, came in and really revolutionized our our industry. For a lot of years, you know, you had the Concept Two bike, which was a phenomenal, or excuse me, Concept Two um, rower, which was a staple in the CrossFit community. And we were always looking for additional cardiovascular machines, for lack of a better term, to produce some type of stimulus. And we would buy the old school Schwinn, like Golden Golden Knight, you know, the the, and they'd always fall apart. And then you guys came in and just took it by storm. So. Do you want to tell me, like, how did that all come to be? Tell me a little bit more about how the assault bike launched. How did you guys recognize an opportunity in the marketplace? And then what got you to that place to even be able to do that? Yeah, so we go back to, I mean, 1995 is when Roger and I started in business. And we started selling fitness equipment. We had a small little store in Dallas. We sold quite a bit out of there. We, we had a lot of, com- we were this tiny little store, had tons of competitors that were far bigger than us with the best brands, but we were all about customer service and good prices, and we really built a reputation. We so had this a, was a, not to cut you off, but yeah. this was in Dallas. This, it was yeah. just a retail shop. Specialty fitness equipment. Though. Specialty yep. fitness equipment, and you would partner with, you know, LifeCore, different types of brands to sell their product. Is that what you're saying? Correct. We didn't, we weren't manufacturing at that time. We were selling other people's brands, and we basically, we, we just sold a ton. We had this tiny little store and we just did volume and we just took care of people. And we had all these other, you know, the bigger dealers, the A dealers, so to speak, were, you know, it was all about high pricing. And we're like, hey, okay, you only want to sell $2,000 and above. We'll take the $1,000 customer yeah. or whatever, because that's, there. there's a big market there. And so from there. And this was in 95. Yeah, we started in 95. So um, what, 20, 20 years before you kind of dropped the assault bike on people. And yeah. so- you know, for people to think that this kind of stuff happens overnight, well, obviously that's incorrect. So, yeah. okay, so not to cut you off again, yeah, yeah. but let's keep rock and rolling. So you're in you're in Dallas. You have this shop um, with your business partner Roger, great guy. And um, so, how did things kind of transition and progress, and then end up in what San Diego? Or, yeah. yeah, we originally had met in L.A. and we kind of pooled our two business talents. And Roger's definitely a product guy yep. and an idea guy. And I'm the business and the financial part, and I, you know, take care of the operation. And so we just pulled those two talents. And so, yeah, we moved from L.A. to Dallas, opened the business. We grew that. We were a thorn in the side of a lot of bigger competitors. So they wanted to take us out. They purchased us. We both worked for the company that bought us. Ah. But we're entrepreneurs at heart, and so we had to always get back to doing our own thing. We did that for the contract that we had signed with them. Came back to California, which is we landed in San Diego rather than going back to L.A., 
and we opened another fitness store. It was a 6,000 square foot warehouse, you know, really large space selling fitness equipment again and spas. And out of there is where we, LifeCore evolved. We started import, we started designing our stuff, importing and just selling our own brand. And that just went and we went to trade shows and it just kind of grew from there. So you're talking about like how, yeah, I mean, the evolution of, you know, getting to where Assault was born. Um, fast forward to 2010 when I first met Eric Preston at um, yep, yep. Santa Leo CrossFit. Yep. And it was back, it's, you're talking about the Golden Schwinn bikes, right? And there, it was just at that time where we had come out with like a LifeCore brand um, air bike, coincidentally. And then Eric goes, hey, man, he goes, we need something. He goes, if you could build something that would hold up in our, envi- in our environment, you guys would be golden. So I really give him a lot of credit for, it was the timing of doing. Spearheading the idea. Yeah. You know, we talk about that a lot on this show and people say like, oh, you know, like uh, with us in corporate wellness or different things, people think like this kind of stuff just falls in your lap and it doesn't just fall in your lap. But what it is, is doors open, right? And you need to know when to run through them, when to jog through them or when to shut the door. And I think this sounds like there was a door and opening. Um, CrossFit was obviously growing. You met Eric Preston, nice guy, and he kind of showed you an opportunity and then you know you had to take it but I want to back up for a second you you mentioned that you sold your original company to um, a, a larger fitness brand and then you chose to go back out on your own so what did that process look like and why did you decide to go from one to the other because I think a lot of entrepreneurs out there a lot of people listening to this who own gyms might be looking for an opportunity to get out or might not want to get out and so why did you guys sell what did that look like and how did you know that was a bad decision or was it not a bad decision? It was actually a great decision. And here's where it was. We had, we were like, honestly, we were, we were a couple of uh, punk kids. We used to, you know, we were just selling such, you know, a ton of equipment out of our little space. And you had these guys that had 3000 square foot stores with all the top brands. We had whatever anybody didn't want to carry. We're like, yep, we'll take it. And so they would just, we just took care of people. We'd run ads and just mess with people, just just like to you know mess with price yeah, and do yeah. stuff like that. And so, anyways, we're we were having a great time. We were making a good living. Um, and so, a couple competitors came and we're like, Nah, no, thank you. Another guy stepped out, who ultimately ended up uh, buying our company. And it was only it was kind of the decision between Roger and I. And we're like, he kind of put a number on a napkin. I was like, yeah, if they'll pay that, great. If not, we got a great business. Yeah. And it really came down to that. And then we're like, you know what? The problem is when you don't get like the top lines and all that, we're like, you know, our thought was like, well, he owns seven stores and you're part of this bigger picture. Um, and the guy is a great friend of ours to this day, but we're just entrepreneurs at heart and we just had to get back to doing our own thing. You kind of create your own destiny. It's funny. We talked to, we have friends that are like financial advisors and they invest in the stock market. And for him, Roger and I have always taken whatever we made and we've grown slowly and we put, you know, we took yeah. what we needed to live and we just, you know, just grew the business, grew the business. Whereas, like, the stock guy is like, oh, my gosh, you know, give me this and you might make 10%. We're like, if we invest in ourselves, we can make 30%. Well, I think that's a really interesting point. So you self-funded Assault Fitness. Yes. And, you know, a lot of people ask, it's like, oh, what do you diversify in and what kind of investments do you make? And I always ask them, I say, hey, you know, a typical good investment returns 8 to 10%. But if your company, if you're not returning that, like, and you're in control of your company, you're not in control of these outside factors. Like, I don't know anything about Bitcoin and this other kind of stuff, but I do know about our business and I do know what type of trajectory we could create. And so that's a really valid point. Now, you self-funded this. You put out the assault bike. Now, I imagine you've had some, uh, it's been an amazing ride. I mean, you've sold a lot of assault bikes. It is clearly the staple in the community. I think what you did really well 
And I think um, I, we had a gentleman on the show a little bit ago. His name was Raz. And he brought up an interesting point. He said, hey, the reason why you would take out outside funding is if there's an opportunity that you need to come to the market so quickly that you would rather have a smaller chunk of the pie but get a piece of the pie than show up late and, and miss the opportunity. And I think what you got, what you did is not only you didn't take on outside funding, but you came in and you you took the pie, meaning you attacked the market, you attacked it quickly, and you became the industry leader. And now when other people want to get in, the barrier to entry is very high, and I'll tell you why. Because you've calibrated your calories in a certain way, right, wrong, or indifferent. Five calories on an assault bike are not the same as a, you know, a, another bike, right? So whoever comes in either needs to calibrate against yours or because you're in the industry standard, they need to go with your bike. And so because you're a first mover in this space in a blue ocean, for lack of a better term, you guys really just took to the bull by the horns and kept running. And yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah. Now, now, so you guys attack the market, you guys get the product out. But what type of things, I mean, I know over the years, they've been some, some challenges, right? Manufacturing, I imagine, right? And so what challenges have you had? And then what have you done to overcome that? You know, because I know that recently you guys came out with a new bike, which I'm a huge fan of, which I'll talk about briefly, you know, in the future. But let's talk about the, the current bike, the assault bike original. What kind of trials did you go through and how did you overcome those? Well, you don't know when you come, it's an, it's an ongoing process. It's an evolution. And the reason we continue to succeed and we're all about relationships and we take care of people. So manufacturing, as you know, is there's, there can be problems with it. What we do is we continue to improve. We have meetings weekly and we're like, we need the feedback. We don't want people to have a problem with their bike or any product from us and go, Oh my gosh, the brand sucks. No, come to us. We'll take care of it. And I know you know that, Yeah. you know, and that's what we do. And so we listen to affiliates and we've based ourselves from the beginning to really take care of affiliates. We have affiliate pricing we have from the beginning and it's been hard to get that word out there to let everybody know like, Hey, we are here to, to help out CrossFit affiliates to make it functional for you to have our equipment and affordable. We have financing 0% for three years. I mean, we have all these programs. And so that's how we overcome things. We take care of the customer, replace bikes, replace parts, you know, offer financing options. And that's what we continue. We, we don't rest and go, Oh, okay. We made it. You never made it. Yeah. You never made it. I mean, I think you, you, you're not just saying that you actually live it. I think it's really important for people to understand that assault fitness or assault bike in general, like, have we had trouble with the parts? Of course. Has there been some manufacturing concerns? Yes. But I do believe I could sit here and look you in the eye and say you guys have done the best you could to support our business. I can't speak for everybody, but I'll speak from us, that you guys have always supported us where if there was an issue, you guys would do your best to support it. And, you know, I think you have listened to the people and tried to create new products that are based off the consumer. And, you know, speaking of which, you you came out with a new bike, um, the Elite, correct? And... So just a short story about us, NC Fit, we have, you know, a number of locations and we have tons of assault bikes and we, we bought the, um, concept Two bike erg. We bought the rogue echo bike and we have the assault bike in our location. And then we got these new elite bikes and we're talking about a large sample size, you know, thousands of members, tons of locations, just beating these things up. And I got to tell you, I'm a huge fan of the elite bike. I have it in my garage. I think it holds up really well. It gets a similar stimulus because one of the problems that I found with the, the bike erg is that it's just a different stimulus. It's not worse or better. It's just different. It's more of a leg stamina versus your product is a little bit more like cardiovascular kind of pump thing. And um, 
Anyways, I like your new Elite bike. I have given you the feedback. That I think a smaller seat would be good, which I know we've talked about. Which is funny because we hear both. We hear right. like bigger seat, smaller seat. And, and that's <laughs> why each person has their own preference, right? Yeah. But I think we've tested in our marketplace, and we believe that your Elite bike is is going to be the standout industry leader. I, I do believe that. Yeah. Now, now, you guys have your bikes. You came into the market. You built a business over it. Now, how many employees did you did you grow to? We are, believe, we're still a relatively small company. We have, there's a total of 23 of us. And that includes Roger and I, maybe 24 now. In the San Diego area? In San Diego, yeah. And then? Now everybody works for, we don't have, we contract out with, you know, like for our engineering. Yep. And, and manufacturing? Yes. But everyone else, like our customer service, like they're in Carlsbad, our whole customer service department is up there, phone tech support, parts in the warehouse. We do all of our own shipping and parts. Like that's not subbed out. We are all, you know, marketing. I'm obviously, yeah. you know, you're out there. Team. You're yeah. We're, yeah. we're actually here at the ultimate Hawaiian trail run and, and it's an event we've been to many years and I know you have too. Now, so tell me, you, you grew to 23 employees, you and Roger, you started off in Dallas, moved to, you know, San Clement or, you know, San Diego area yeah. and you grew to 23 employees. I'm, I imagine your bikes are everywhere. You've sold thousands and thousands and thousands of them. Um, aside from the manufacturing concerns and I've had to focus on customer service, which I know is a big thing. What else have you learned kind of going from, you know, two employees, just the marketer and the, you know, the back end to having 23 employees? What's, what's kind of one thing that kind of glares out of you that you've had to kind of take a step back for a second and be like, oh boy, you know, this is something we could have done better. Well, you know what? I, we take pride in our hiring. We started very, you know, tight knit. It was Roger and I, my sister is part of the business and, you know, small group like that. And I think part of our success, honestly, is the culture that we create, we're very, we try to hand select people. We don't just go out and, you know, you know, cast a wide net. And I really honestly think that we get people that want to be there. And we do a lot of things culturally that help that growth and that they truly feel part of it. Like I always tell people, it sounds corny, but we're all a cog in the wheel. We all have our job to do to keep this wheel rolling. I'm not any more important. Roger's not any more important. I mean, yes, we're the owners, but everybody has a job that a makes, place. moves this forward. Now, you talked about culture. MDV and I talk about this a lot at our gym. Um, what type of things do you do in particular for the culture of your – because whether you own a gym with two coaches, 20 coaches, 100 coaches, or you own a business like yours, that's a little bit different, right? It's manufacturing, customer service, et cetera. What type of things do you do that kind of stand out in terms of developing your culture and keeping people motivated? What we try to do is we – I mean, these are just small things, but like when it's small somebody's things up, yeah. yeah, but when it's somebody's birthday, they get to choose what they want for lunch, and we cater it in for everybody. Okay, and we, I mean, that's just something we've done for years and years and years, and we do things like I mean, we do team building events, like when it's Halloween, and we'll get everybody and we'll go down to Scream Zone, and so we do a lot of team building things like that. We'll be on a on a given Monday, we'll say, hey, you know what? Don't come in at eight o'clock. We're gonna go have breakfast, like little things like that, because you keep you want people to feel appreciated. I mean. And it's beyond just a, you know, a financial, like, okay, we'll give you more. It's like people need to feel or they're a part of something that they're a part of something and that they're appreciated. Yeah. That's really good feedback. And I think as a gym owner, and I know we could always do better, we do things very similar, but as a gym owner, it's not that hard to do. You just have to remind yourself to do it. I mean, things you could do is, you know, birthdays was a great example. That's a really cool one. And I think, you know, for you with, with one office, a little bit easier for us with different yeah. offices, a little bit tougher, but we can still do better with that. And I think yeah. that's good motivation for us to develop that sense of culture because you're right. Not everybody, money is a thing that we need to live off of and it's very important, but people also want to feel like they're a part of something bigger and that they're recognized for their contributions. So the assault bike blew up. You came out the new assault bike elite, which I'm a big fan of, as I've said, 
But then you came out with an assault runner. And I'm interested in the assault runner because you came into the market after true form, for lack of a better word, um, proved the model. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. I mean, I don't know if you really want to call it proved, but there was a number of players in the space, right? And you came in after them. Whereas the assault bike, yes, you came in. Technically, the Schwinn old school one was the first air bikes. But let's be honest, those weren't really around for the last 20 years. And so you were kind of first mover on the assault bike, but you're kind of second, third, fourth mover on the on the assault runner. So how did that differ? And what are you seeing there? Well, we're, ours is a completely different product, and it was in development for several years. It wasn't one of those things that was an afterthought to go, oh, great, let's get one and slap our label on yep. it. Oh, there we was, see Trueform being, yeah, I get Yeah, it. We're, we're not a me too kind of company. Yep. And so it was something, and again, I give uh, credit to Roger because he always sees these fitness trends. And so he talked about a manual treadmill even before Trueform was really getting, I can't even say they've never really been embedded. Yep. But yep, 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 or they yep. were really widespread, but we're like, you know what? And our thing has always been to come out with quality at an affordable price. And that's what we try to do. And that's why we have the affiliate um the affiliate pricing. pricing, but the the engineering team that put this together, I mean, we went through multiple iterations. So I remember talking to Roger about this. I mean, how many months, how many years did it take you to build the Salt Runner? Because I think a lot of people just say, oh, they copied right. the, and again, yeah, oh, um, they copied the true form, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I remember getting text messages from Roger. He was in development for like probably a year or two. Yeah. Before it even launched. Yeah, 100%. Well, it's, it's kind of like how it may look with the assault bike, right? That we just came out of nowhere and boom, here we are. And you hear there's a 20 years, 20 year plus story behind that. Yeah. And it's the same thing with the runner. I mean, we're methodical. You can see we don't come out with a ton of products. And we're not like, oh, wait, they're doing this. Let's do this. Let's yeah. do this. So the air runner, and it was until, and everybody agrees, like the feel, it's far different. It's different mechanism. It it's different bearings. It's Everything is different than the true form. And that was by design, literally and figuratively speaking. And so that's why, you know, that was in development even when Trueform was out there. And we just wanted to make sure it was right. And we had sample after sample, you know, Roger flying over to check out samples and go, no, still not there. I mean, we, we take a lot of pride in what we do. Yep. And so how is the, how is the, the runner performed compared to the assault bike? And has it hit your expectation? What does that look like? Yeah, I mean it's you know it's just on the rise. The, what the I'm, the assault bikes slowly have permeated around the world. Yep. The air runner people were like waiting for it, and our international distributors. I mean it's just yeah, it was it was really kind of phenomenal. Excellent. And so it you, just continues the growth. So you know, Tracy, you know assault bike. You know you opened up overnight. You you <laughs> boomed into a multi million dollar business, um, and you you know. Perception is not always reality, right? You guys have been in the fitness space for decades, busting your ass, looking for opportunities, and learning the industry. And I like to say the same thing about our business. You know, I got I started at the front desk when I was 14, you know, and when I was ready to open up a gym, I had had all this background to prepare me to be successful. And I think for you guys, you had all these years of networking with different distributors, networking with different manufacturers to put you in a position to be successful. And I think that's really something to take away from this conversation is that things don't happen overnight. You need to kind of earn that trust and confidence and ability to get out there. And I think as an entrepreneur, as a gym owner, if you had to say one thing that's kind of made a salt bike, salt fitness, excuse me, so far successful, what do you think are those founding principles? Do you think it is all the background, all the hurdles? What are the founding principles that have made you guys successful? Because it's really based off a couple products, very small. 
yeah, no, it's it's definitely our foundation. I mean, Roger and I both come from very similar backgrounds. We didn't start with anything. We literally built from the ground up, and we just worked. It didn't. It never occurred to us that it wouldn't succeed, whatever it was we were doing at that time, be it a store or manufacturing. We just did it. People would look and go, oh, you can't do that, but we did. We, we didn't hear that kind of noise, and I think it's just marching forward. It's not like stopping at each success to pat yourself on the back. And I think that's a really important thing. And it takes patience. And neither of us are the most patient people, but you just keep trudging forward, even if in your mind you're like, oh, I want it, or this isn't happening quick enough. And that's really it. It's honestly a work ethic. So, so yeah, I agree. Um, what's the next step for, for self-fitness? What's, what's going on next? Um, well, we have other products in the pipeline uh, that are coming any, out. Any sneak peek? <laughs> 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 any... Uh, uh, I'm curious what you guys are coming out. Maybe maybe <laughs> offline we could talk yeah. about it. Um, any, um, so you have other products coming out. What yeah. else? And and that's really it. I mean, we're all about relationships and just our continued growth and cultivating what we have built. And, you know, obviously we want to expand to new customers and new channels. And that's really our our focus. I mean, we're, we've are we really just seen the tip of the iceberg. We've seen the tip of the iceberg. I completely agree. Well, I think one thing that we could note from this conversation is that just similar to us, you know, there's never really like this level of success you feel comfortable with. You want to always keep moving and progressing and develop and grow. And it's a blessing and a curse, right? Because the blessing is, is that you could provide for more people. You can create more opportunities. The curse is you never really feel like you're, you know, you're, it's always this constant pursuit of excellence, which right. I don't even know when excellence occurs. Right. Well, and that's why you just, I think, again, it's a work ethic because you, you can't help but think and act that way. I think what it does is like things like this coming to the ultimate Hawaiian trail run it honestly enables us to be a part of that and to really, that's kind of, that's kind of the fruition of your labors, if you will, to really give back and to see, you know, to you connect with people and see these small things that you might be doing, how that they impact, impact largely. Well, I can speak from experience. Your bike has made an impact on my life. It has increased my cardiovascular endurance and stamina. And I want to thank you for that. Um, I want to thank you for uh, for joining us. And um, where can people find, you know, Tracy or Assault Bike or if they're interested in purchasing one, um, what should they do? Where should they go? They can go to assaultfitness.com and just there's, uh, they can just all spend kinds in of the links. thing. There's affiliates or directly to sales and all of that will get them through. They want it. Yeah, they can get through to us just like that. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much. And, uh, Thanks, Jason. We've hit our 20-minute AMRAP. Awesome. Have a good day. Thanks. Thanks.